All right, what's going on, guys? Today, we are here with a special guest, Celtics fan, as you can see in the background, um, and just an overall great dude. We have Austin Barrick here, um, friend, classmate from Syracuse, going back to Com 117 with Seth Gittner. Overall great dude. Here he is, Austin Barrick. How you doing, man? I'm great, Donnie. Thank you for having me. Um, it's awesome to be on, talk some NBA. I know we're in, like, you were mentioning before we hit record here, we're in a, a lull period for the NBA, but the offseason, there's a lot to talk about, and, and I'm uh, I'm very excited to talk about a lot of things, especially our Celtics. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into the Celtics for sure later on in the pod, but just starting off Summer League, man. Summer League this year has been saving me. Uh, before the pod started, I, I talked about Summer League has been saving me just because I've missed the NBA so much, especially with the Celtics losing in the final. I'm like, we got to get back into it as soon as possible. But Summer League actually been pretty good. Um, and we'll just jump right into it. Um, the first overall pick, Paolo Carroll, man, he's been, I think, better than advertised. Because I know, like, yeah, in, yeah. in the draft process, it was Jabari Smith going number one. I don't know if that was a smoke screen by Orlando. And if you're looking at their performances, I think you'd say Paolo's been clearly the best rookie so far out of this group. Uh, what do you, What do you think so far? About oh, yeah, that? without without a doubt, without a doubt, Dahani. I mean, this guy. And to your point about Orlando and, like, the first pick situation, that was weird. Woj did some weird stuff with tweeting and the lines moved and all that stuff. But Paulo was the guy. I had him number one on my big board. Um, you know, we saw him play live at Syracuse when they start, when they beat us up really badly. Yeah. I just think he had the best skill set. And they shut him down after two games. That's the sign of, a, of like, a really good player. Um, just, like, he's huge. He's built like LeBron. He looks like LeBron. He can pass. He just commands it. He's got – he's got – you know, as the kids say these days, he's got that dog in him. All right. And I think he's he had, you know, he he commands the spotlight. He commands the presence. He can do it all. You saw that block he had in what, the double overtime situation. He can shoot the ball nicely. I, You know, when people were picking apart like his low shooting percentage, the shot looked good. And I care about more about what the shot looks like better than what the number says in a small sample size in, in college. So he's been everything as advertised and if you're Orlando you have to be really really happy with, with what you have in him so far yeah definitely and the numbers do tell a story in summer league so he's been averaging 20 points five rebounds six assists a guy that like LeBron early on in his career could do it all right you see the scoring ability like the shooting the, the shooting numbers might not be the greatest looking at Duke but in the summer league the shots looked efficient he's gonna need to get more reps in for sure and so he can be a volume shooter but what I see is one of the best, most polished scorers in the draft, especially in the top five, when, with just the ability to get to the basket at will. Like you said, strong 6'10". I actually stood next to the guy. I remember just quick tangent on um, the time he came to Syracuse. You stood um, next to him? Um, Yeah, kind of. So I was leaving from work, right? I, I worked at Sadler Hall. Mm -hmm. And walking up to the dome, I saw them getting off the bus. And I was just like, all right, there. Yeah, I saw the whole thing get off the bus. And like I was like right there, like. He's legit 6'10", like, built, strong, athletic. Like, you, you see it in person. Like, the eye test he passes with flying colors. And then you look on the court as well. You really see the dominance against the other rookies that he's playing against. Even some of the guys that aren't rookies, like the three, three-year three guys that come to summer league to get their reps in. He's just a man amongst boys, and you really see that. And that's why Orlando shut him down for the rest of the summer league, which kind of sucks. I wanted to see more, but... I know come preseason, he's going to be ready to go. And yeah. that's a rookie of the year candidate right there. Yeah. Did you think 
I know you mentioned like the whole smoke screen thing. Did you think it was weird that Orlando never worked him out? Because, you know, you might as well do your due diligence on, if, especially if you have the number one overall pick. You got to, yeah. is everybody's about, it's top three guys, top three guys, Paulo Chet, Jabari. And again, as you mentioned, Donnie, Jabari was kind of the guy that was being yep. talked about as the number one guy for most of, most of the pre-draft process. And then all of a sudden it's Paulo and, that's because I guess they never worked them out, which I find very peculiar. I know like Jay Ivey didn't want to work out with the Kings and they didn't take him for that reason or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that strange. But regardless, it's worked out. Um, I listened. You know, we were talking about Rosillo and he had on the, the Magic GM the day after the draft and he was explaining how, you know, they had their guys in Orlando. They were tracking like what type of misses um, that that Paulo had in college. They, they, they said that he's like a 90 percentile uh, like passer yeah. and like just shot creator. And that's what you want in today's NBA. And I think we can segue that to a guy like Jabari Smith, who Dahani, I have I, I don't want to overreact to, yeah. you know, two or three summer. Leagues. I'm, there. I'm there with you, but man. Man, I think it is silly if anybody still thinks that Jabari is, is the better player than Paolo. Yeah, man. Jabari so far averaging 14 points, eight rebounds, and assist to steal a block. Those county numbers don't exactly look terrible, but when you're watching him, it's like, all right, the field goal shooting, he can't really, I'm not going to say he can't shoot, but the shot hasn't been falling so far. And the most important thing for me, especially as a guy that was touted as the number one pick going into the draft, his limited creativity off the bounce as a wing. Yes. Yep. That's so big to me. I remember one time, even just doing like, he was at the top of the key. He was going to go for a move, and he fumbled with the basketball, so he turned it into a dribble handle. That, like, I know that wasn't what he was trying to do. And in college, like, there was more, I guess, less spacing, if anything, but he was able to create at the college level. But I guess with the higher-level athletes here in summer league, it's making it really tough on him to be able to get into his own shot. And when he's even getting the shots, I know last game he played in San Antonio, he had a more efficient game with 19 points. He was able to find his game with some more pick-and-pop style post-up situations where he does not need to dribble as much. That's where he's more efficient. But to say he was a number one pick, I just don't see it coming off these summer league games. Again, don't want to overreact, but I want to hear what you think. Yeah, he's young. He's really uh, young, and, you know, he's got a great-looking shot. But it almost feels like, you know, he knows he has a great-looking shot. But it seems like he wants to settle for the one or two dribble pull-up contested to every time. Yeah, it's like we saw every we get up, we get the frustrations with Tatum and his contested pull ups. Jabari Smith's like, hold my beer. I'm going <laughs> to do this better. Like, you know, and he faces up a lot, which is, you know, it, it feels like a like a very rigid one on one kind of situation that he's doing with, you know, nine other guys in the court. And he it's the, and I almost think like people kept blaming, oh, his guards at Auburn, oh, his yeah, guards and passing ball. Yeah, it's like. Yes, but also were we just were we giving were we were we excusing him because of that too much? I know like the 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 limited he doesn't seem like he has a plan after one or two dribbles, which is which is pretty concerning, you know. 
Yeah, and then when you look at a guy like Paolo Bancaro, like he has moves on top of moves. And most importantly, he's strong enough. So if he does go into you, he's either getting the foul or finishing over you. I've seen times when Jabbar has gone to the basket. He hasn't really been able to quite finish at the rim at the rate that we expect him to. And similar measurables to Paolo Bancaro. He's, what, 6'10", 6'11", long wingspan. And a, a plus for Jabbar, I will say, is defensively, I've seen some great blocks. I've seen the two-way potential is there for sure. And we know he's a shooter, so I'm not going to label him as a bust off of two summer league games. I'm not going to go that far. What I do need to see from Jabari Smith is the ability to create off the dribble. He has to work on that handle, work on the ability to get to his spots and knock down shots. We know he's a shooter. If he's a set shooter, if getting to the spot, pick and pop, we know he's good at that. But to really live up to that third pick, potentially being that number one pick, number one prospect, you got to be able to create out the dribble in today's NBA. For for a guy whose shot is so smooth, it almost feels like his game is rigid. With yeah. it, 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 it's such a fascinating thing to to like watch him play like that. And and you made a good point. We shouldn't we shouldn't kill him so much. His defense is great, and that's what we knew going into the draft. If there's anything you can hang your hat on with Jabari Smith, it's his defense. You know the shot looks good, but the defense. He's able to flip his hips really nicely. He's got great instincts. You know, he blocked Chet on some of those plays. I think he stripped him once or twice as well. Yep. So he's he's going to be a really good defender. I'm not worried about that. But, yeah, to your point, if you want to be a top three pick like you were, like you got to show more poise and, and control and confidence off the dribble, you know. Definitely. And talking about defense, let's head over to Chet Holmgren, who mm. might be the most polarizing prospect, I think that's fair to say, in this draft. Um, coming in, uh, he was – it was tough for me thinking of who's going to be number one just in terms of, like, overall potential, not exactly where people would go. But, like, Paolo and Chet, man, Chet Holmgren is so interesting. And in that first summer league game, when you see him bringing down the court, like, he's a guard, but he's 7-2. Like, yeah. that's just something that really intrigues me. And his ability to, unlike Jabari Smith, handle the ball, create his own shot, like – Chet Holmgren at 7-2, he's doing between the legs, behind the back, pull up like he's Kevin Durant. And it looks smooth and it's going in. Um, I remember another time, one dribble into like a Dirk fadeaway, pure. Yeah. So I think the offensive skill set is definitely there. Um, defensively as well, like you see the intangible thing that you can't really teach with the blocks. That's something that it's a rare air of people that actually have that ability. So, yeah, Chet is definitely one of the most intriguing prospects. I think he might have the highest ceiling in this draft as well. So are, were you a uh, – because I know you tweeted at me on draft day when I did my my top 30 big board. Yeah. You were like, oh, Chet at four. That's a hot take. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now, again, I don't want to overreact, but I definitely have him above Jabari if I could redo that. But were you were you a Chet at number one guy? Uh. It was going back and forth. I went so many times, Chet 1, Paolo 2, Paolo 1, Chet 2. It went back and forth just because I knew Paolo would have the impact right away like he's having now on both ends of the floor. Um, Chet, I can make the case certainly defensively he's going to do it. But early on, like we saw it in the game against the Grizzlies when he went up against Kenneth Lofton Jr. Um, Chet, he's like 180, 180 pounds, like 185, and at 7'2", he's going to get pushed around. It's going to be worse in the actual NBA when he's going up against. I can you imagine just for one second? You have LeBron going downhill. Oh, he's that's going a, to get that's scary. That's a scary sight right there. I don't know what Chet's going to do. Like, sure, Chet has a length, but when you have a LeBron 
is going straight into your test. What's, what can he do? So early on, Chet might struggle on defensive end when you're going against those bigger, stronger matchups like LeBron, like Giannis, Jokic, things of that nature. Length can only do so much. So you're going to have to put on the weight. But, again, his offensive creativity is great. Sneaky quick for his size. Like, you think 7'2", he's a stiff. He's actually pretty quick. Yeah. With the ball in his hands and defensively, he could he could move his feet and slide play defense. I think sky's the limit for this kid. Yeah, he's an intelligent player. He's he's impressed me. Uh, he's better than I thought he would be. Um, you know, he's confident, and that's maybe that's what I didn't build into. You know, having him for you know, his confidence is is big. Um, maybe yeah. you know, I just didn't see that a lot at Gonzaga. You know, they had a lot of options offensively there in Mark Few's program, but. You know he he's got some he's got some edge to his game, which I he like. Got a mean streak to him. He's, yeah, mean streak. Yeah, and you know I know somebody is going to you know dunk dunk him into oblivion at some point this season. Like enough of the, enough of uh, I didn't know if I could, could curse on here. Um, <laughs> You're good, but um, but but um, but yeah, his 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 instincts with blocking shots are great, as you mentioned, DJ, and he's blocking shots all over the place and like hard too, like. He's almost like insulted that you try to challenge him. I know my guy on on the Rockets there, not Jabari, but um the kid from LSU, Eason, Tari Eason. Tari Eason, yeah. Tari Eason tried him twice and got like smothered both times. Um, his offensive game really works well with Giddy. Giddy's been super fun to watch. Mm-hmm. If only that dude knew how to shoot the ball, he'd be even he'd be the sky's the limit for him. But Chet's impressed me a lot. Um, maybe in terms of the, the NBA with your point about, oh, how is he going to stop like some of those bigger stars? I, maybe they put because um, I was going through like the roster because I kept having to remind myself like, man, like it seems like like half of OKC's actual roster is on Summer League right now. Yeah, most, um, most of it is. I feel like Shea Gillis Alexander, he's playing with Team Canada. And, yeah, I'm um, like Dort's, Dort's chilling out with his contract. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, oh, Baisley, I guess. Th- or like Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I guess is kind of a bigger body, but I don't, I don't really know who they'd throw at, at some of those guys, but that's besides the point. I think Chet needs to put on some weight. As you mentioned, I mean, 185, is that true? Like I'm six, five, like 185. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm skinny, but seven to 185, like that's real. That's thin. Whoa. Real thin. Like, yeah, man. But um, Chet, great prospect, in my opinion, another great prospect we have here is, Keegan Murray, and honestly, I'm I'm really loving what I've seen from him. Uh, my comparison for him is actually Chris Middleton. I think the way they play is eerily mm-hmm. similar. And first game in summer league, 26 points and eight boards. Like, that's a big time performance to come out. And we all knew he was solid at Iowa. I remember watching a game in the tournament. I think he took over for like 33 points. I might be misquoting that, but somewhere around that ballpark, like we knew he was a proven scorer. At what six eight six nine, he's a legit guy, and I feel like he doesn't get enough credit as the other guys in the top five, just because he's not the sexiest name, right? Jaden Ivy, who we'll get to later, people compare him a lot to John Morant, and rightfully so. And the other guys have their own individual pop to them. But Keegan Murray, he's a he's a low key guy. Yeah, that's a great way to describe him. Low key, low key Keegan Murray. You know, coming from Iowa. Uh, not gonna lie, I haven't seen too much of him, but from his highlights and what what his profile was out of Iowa, I mean, he's older, right? I think he's like 22. Yep. And you know, the Kings, you know, technically like reached on him. So, and it's also like the Kings, like oh, they're gonna clown on whoever they pick, right? 
but he can shoot and he's a smooth off the dribble. I think he's kind of like a more polished Jabari Smith at this point, Hmm. kind of like, um, you know, he's a little older right now and, you know, he just, he seems more comfortable with his game at least. And, you know, he'll be a nice, he'll be a nice guy next to Fox and Sabonis there. And so, you know, I think he'll be a good player. You know, I don't think when you draft a guy in the top five, I think you want to aim for ceiling. And I, I don't see the ceiling with him. But yeah. if he can just be a good rotation starting caliber guy for the Kings, I, that, that's got to be a, at least somewhat of a win for them. Yeah, exactly. Totally right. And again, ceiling versus floor, I think like his floor is going to be pretty high just with his base skill set. I mean, he's a guy that scores. He, he just reminds me of someone like 20 points per game is something that's going to happen in this future. Maybe an all-star if he's on the right team, but someone will definitely be able to get buckets. Um, 50-40-90 guy, maybe right now in summer league, he's shooting 49, 42, and 85 over the last three or so games. So I definitely think like his pure stroke is it, legit. And I think that going into a season where he's going to have De'Aaron Fox passing the ball, he's going to have Davion Mitchell, he's going to get the opportunities to shoot. 50-40-90 definitely sees something like he can attain within maybe even the first season, but if not the first season, definitely in his career for sure. Yeah, and I guess – I don't know if the Kings are undefeated, but did you see this thing? I want to see your opinion on they're, – they're giving out rings, championship uh, rings, yeah. if you win summer league. I, I think it's ridiculous. Like, it's the the winning culture, the participation culture has, has gone too far, I think. You know, at this point, you might as well give LeBron, like, an extra four rings for – winning all these all-star games like why stop there you know I, I i don't get it um i mean participation culture is a real thing um especially this day and age um me personally i don't mind it necessarily like to be honest like it's, it's summer league it's it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things really just to showcase to showcase what you have as a player and as a team, what you're building um, doesn't really bother me too much, to be quite honest. But I, I understand the frustration. I definitely do. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I find it weird. Like these games don't really matter that much. And it's more about, you know, player development than anything. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what no, you're get us back on track. To honey. I'm going off a rail. Now you're good. I love it. So the final guy in top five, Jaden Ivey. Um, so he's only played two summer league games so far, and the second one he got injured. But in that first game, 20 points, six rebounds, six assists, did a little bit of everything at that guard position, which is one of the most important positions in the game of basketball, second probably to the wing. Um, I love what I saw, especially in that second game um, against the Wizards. He had 11 points, like three or so assists, and only five minutes against the Wizards. And in that time frame, it looked like he was going to drop 30 points. Just the efficiency which he was scoring, getting to the basket at will, which was definitely where that John Morant comparison came from. One or two dribbles, he's at the rim, and he's flying acrobatic and one layups. You know, like it's really similar to John Morant. And the shot has improved since coming out of Purdue. At Purdue, he could shoot it, but so much more comfortable now with it. And I think Jaden Ivey is definitely, along with Cade Cunningham, I think that could be one of the best backcourts in the league within five years just because the talent there, multiple all-star appearances for Jaden Ivey. I don't think that's out of the question whatsoever. Yeah, I'm completely with you, Tahani. This guy is legit. Um, you know he's going to be really, really good. Um, I think I, I had him three on my big board. He's, I, he, I agree. He'll reach multiple all-star games. Him and 
him, him and um, Kate are going to be electrifying. They're the, po- the perfect yin and the yang, if you will. Kate kind of, you know, six, eight, six, nine, uh, facilitator first, just a great, a great point guard point general to have on your team. And then you got Ivy who's shorter, but explosive athletic. And he's got a little mean streak to him. Uh, it, it's, it'll be a fun, it'll be a fun backcourt in there. And, you know, Ivy, Ivy's a dog, man. He's a dog. Yeah. And, you know, Detroit, I think they're going to embrace that. It's been a long time. I don't think in my fandom I've seen Detroit being a play in a uh, playoff series. So I think with those two guys, it'll be fun to watch those two in the playoff series. Of course, you know, unless it's against our Celtics, but yeah. in, terms of, in terms of like their success, I'm rooting for them. And, and, you know, I can't wait to see what, what Ivy does against, against the, the real guys in the league because he will, he will wow some of them as well. 100%. Okay. So now we got to do summer league top five guys. Can't wait to see what the rest do. Um, One guy that I just love personally, though I've loved him since high school, Jaden Hardy. Um, he's on the Mavericks. Mm. He had 28 points in his first game. And a lot of people doubted him because if you look back at the top 100 coming out of high school, Chet was number one. Jaden Hardy was number two. Mm. And that really speaks to Jaden Hardy's offensive skill set. Um, Bradley Beal asked with the way he plays. I'm not going to go too deep into him right now. But watch out for him. He's coming. I think especially with Luca being able to feed him the ball and just having him straight as, straight as a catch-and-shoot guy. And when Luca's not on the floor, a guy can create his own shot. Jaden Hardy, man, he could rise quickly in this draft class. But, yeah, do you think, like, because they, they – you know, Brunson, the worst kept secret in all of sports went to the Knicks. Um, do you think like Hardy can be kind of that that off ball shot creator, if you will? I think given time, yes. I feel like he still is a bit raw with certain aspects of his game. He definitely can shoot it. He can definitely um get to the one dribble pull up. He can definitely get to the basket. But I feel like NBA defenses might give him some trouble just with their versatility and their length. But man, I'm just a, I'm just a big believer in him. What I saw in high school, he he was legit. But yeah, that's about all we got for that. Let's head over some winners and losers of free agency. Mm. And this is interesting because I know you were having some trouble finding some losers. I want to hear your winners first because I know one of the teams that are on there, but I want to hear the rest. Hear what you got to say. Uh, uh, are we doing? Should we do like all all three at all three now? Yeah, let's go all three winners. All right. So, yeah, of course, I got the Celtics. I also got the Milwaukee Bucks, though, and I'll explain that in a minute. And then I also have I kind of went off, you know, kind of a wild card, if you will. Try to stay with me here. Right. Rich Paul. Rich Paul. No, make- no, that's that's legit. Yeah. That's yeah. Legit. You, you know, he's got these irrational Lakers fans believing in their team. You know, you got, you know, all these clutch clients. He's got Lonnie Walker. They you know, he got him for six point four million. They got Juan Toscano Anderson for you know two mil. And then he's got Scotty Pippen Jr., who you know Lakers fans. Oh my God, LeBron helped him up in a summer league game. Oh my God, um, that was the stupidest thing that I've ever seen. I feel like whenever LeBron does something, it makes front yeah. page news. It's just so so stupid. But oh my God, like LeBron breathes like it's like it's like the B block on first take probably. Um, but. Yeah, I, so Rich Paul, shout out to him. You know, he's got, you know, Anthony Davis, I think, is a client of his. And so this Lakers team, I we're going to talk more about them, I guess, in, in the title odds segment. But I, I don't think they're very good. 
and yet they're they're really they're they're thought of pretty highly, especially you know whenever LeBron makes an appearance. And I don't know what to make of of LeBron and Westbrook not sitting together at at summer league. I don't I don't really care about that, but I just you know they still have Westbrook looming. But shout out to Rich Paul for signing these guys the Lakers. That's cool. The Bucks, Donnie. I hate to say it, but they're they're still in our way to the finals. You know they re-signed like all their guys. Um, I'm trying to pull up spot track right now. You go for it. I'm gonna have to filibuster for a minute. Uh, yeah. So they re-signed Bobby Portis. Uh, twelve years. What or four years? Forty-eight million, something like that. They got Ingles. A nice signing yeah. there. That's a big pickup. Uh, yes, yeah. coming off injury. But Joe Ingles was a key staple in that Utah Jazz team. All those playoff runs that they made, although not deep. Like, he's a guy, 6'8", versatile Swiss Army Knight defender who can plug and play to so many different lineups. Any team that got him automatically gets better, in my opinion. Yeah, good shot creation. And they re-signed Wes Matthews and Javon Carter, two uh, defenders there who, you know, gave the Celtics some trouble and some spurts. And, uh, and so, yeah, they re-signed their guys. They're keeping that core together around, around Giannis. And so they're going to be reloaded. Yep. And then, obviously, our Boston Celtics. Uh, I saw the picture today. It warmed my heart to see Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari uh, looking at each other like that. Um, we upgraded. I don't want to hear the, the haters say, oh, you now have 10 guys. Are they going to be happy if they get, you know, less minutes here and there in, in critical situations? No, shut up. We have a great team. All right. We were able to trade two, you know, non-rotation guys for Brogdon who has injury history. He really does, but he'll be rejuvenated. He says he's in the prime of his career. He's going to give us, you know, a better ball handling, good defense, you know, good, better shot creation than Pritchard probably. And then Gallinari shooting off the bench and also Al Horford insurance. So, any way you slice it, Celtics had definitely upgraded. Yeah, definitely right. Malcolm Brogdon was the signing of the summer for them, or rather the trade of the summer, let's say that. Um, just the ability to have another guard slash wing to throw at any person that we face. That was one of the biggest concerns against Golden State. Like, we just ran out of guys. Like, we were running, what, a seven-man rotation, maybe oh. eight. And Tatum and Brown, I remember, I think it was game six. I don't think they came out in the second half whatsoever, so – Definitely just providing relief for them. And getting a guy that averages 20 points per game, we know he's a proven shooter, scorer, and facilitator, and that's what we're looking for for the Boston Celtics. Um, Gallo, I like to pick up a spot-up shooter. A guy that in spurts, he can get hot, rattle off like 15 points per game. I feel like that's something we were missing off the bets. I feel like all the best teams going back in history, they always have like one or two guys, or like spark plug guys off the bench. We didn't have that. We definitely didn't have that. Payton Pritchard, we believed he could be that guy in spurts. I think like one or two games he might have gotten hot. He um, told Drew Holiday that he is him in game yeah. seven. Yeah, and I love Payton, but no. <laughs> this is just no. So, yeah, that's something we definitely are getting. Um, still waiting for one more big man signing. Maybe it's a trade involving Pritchard in the first. But, yeah, I agree with all your guys, all, all your list for winners. Um, my winners, we got San Antonio. Mm. Yeah, Philadelphia. And we have mm. John Wall. And John Wall? Uh, yeah, John Wall. So let's we'll start with John Wall. Um, so John Wall always been a great point guard um coming out of Kentucky. Always solid point guard. Led the Washington Wizards to playoff appearances. Always been an all-star, all-NBA guy. Solid guy. But once he ended up in that Houston situation, it's kind of like the world forgot about him. Like, 
it's something that I really don't understand. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, people definitely forgot about him because one, he wasn't playing, and two was just like recency bias. So all the point guards, Seth Curry, Chris Paul, you name it, just all different point guards. But now he's coming back onto the mainstream, going to the Clippers. And I feel like that's just a big win for him in general because this is his first true contender that he's been on. I think it's fair to say there was like a wizard team that was pretty good, made it to the second round, could have made it to the conference finals, but never really quite got over the edge. If I'm not mistaken, it may have been yeah, a they lost to the loss to our Celtics in 2017. Going to the yep, yeah. yeah, got you. Kelly Olenek game. You're right. I do remember that. There you go. So yeah, John Wall, he's a great guy. Um, great player, and he got his money. Bought out for $41 million out of the total $47 million. So he got his money. He got paid, and now he's going to a contender. So I just think that's a big win for him personally. Let's head over to Philly, who I think could be a dark horse contender. Um, yeah. um, James Harden taking the $15 million pay cut, which allowed them to get P.J. Tucker. Also getting Daniel House, Philadelphia is trying to slowly make Philly the Philadelphia Rockets at this point. Yeah, and bring back all James Harden's old teammates that worked so well uh, together during those runs. Um, yeah, Danny Green getting traded for De'Anthony Melton also bolsters that bench and that offensive spark plug that he brings, okay. something that Danny Green can never do. I think Philly's really reloading and retooling for the East, which they know is going to be even tougher, like you mentioned before, Milwaukee and Boston. Miami's not going anywhere. Um, Toronto is going to keep ascending, getting better. There's a bunch of threats in the East right now. So Philadelphia is looking live and legit. And yep. finally, for my last winner, San Antonio. San Antonio is a winner in a less obvious way, I think, because you look at the trade for getting rid of DeJounte Murray and basically getting Gallinari, who they waived, and five – no, not five picks. No, it was three first-rounders and a pick swap. Yeah, 23, 25, 27 first-rounders and a pick swap in 26. So what does that tell me? It tells me that they're going to full rebuild mode. They're going to tank mode. And this year is probably the best year to start doing that because if you look at the draft class, which I'll get into in a later pod, we have Victor Wembanyama, yep. consensus number one pick, 7-2, freak athlete. I believe he has like a 7-8, seven, 7-9 seven, wingspan who's, I don't want to say Kevin Durant because people always love okay. saying when they're the tall skinny, he's Kevin Durant. No, he has Kevin Durant-like skills. And whatever Chet is height, he's taller. Yeah, yeah, 100%, because we've, we've seen them play matchups against each other before. And um, just, I think that this draft is the one to do it. Scoot Henderson as well, he looks like a legit superstar out of the G League Ignite. There's so many different guys for anybody to pick, but San Antonio is looking to get that number one pick. They've done it before, you know, Tim Duncan, like whenever they go for number one, they strike big. And that's definitely what they're looking for this coming year. So San Antonio is a winner in my eyes. All right. Yeah. I, I, I was going to see if uh, you like the Jeremy Sohan pick too. I'm, I'm big on him. And I, I, so I think that's good for the, their culture long-term as well. It's out of Baylor, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm a, any any guy that comes out of Baylor, I'm a big fan of. Mm. I know what they do over there is legit. They have a great organization, great structure, great chemistry, all of the above. They always have great defenders and guys that will translate into the NBA well, whether it be with two-way capability, straight up 3 and D. Like, I see a lot of potential guys out of there. And Jeremy Sohan is 
just like that. Great Spurs guy. He's a Spurs pick. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So tough for me to find some losers. You know, I don't want to be a negative guy in general. Uh, but my three losers are Chris Finch, Steve Nash, and DeAndre Ayton. Finch gets the loser spot for no deal of his own, really. Uh, but now he has to, uh, you know, kind of deal, you know, no pun intended, with this roster that now has major question marks after the massive Rudy Gobert overpaying trade, which sent out Pat Bev, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, Leandro Balmaro, four first-round picks and a pick swap in 2026. Essentially, six first-round picks on top of, like, three rotation players, basically. And Rudy Gobert has not proven to be able to reach a Western Conference Finals. He's not proven to be a plus defender in the playoffs. And now he's on this team with Carl Anthony Towns, who I don't think many would consider a plus defender. And yeah. D'Angelo Russell, who I don't think many people would consider a plus defender. And so I have no idea how they're going to be a legitimate threat in the Western Conference. So Chris Finch, congratulations, buddy. You now have to work with this roster with Rudy Gobert and three fewer rotation players. And then down the road, if this does not work out, you don't have your draft pick. So there's that. Steve Nash, you know, as I was talking to you, uh, Dahani, uh, Nash is on here because of the Kyrie and Durant thing. Again, another another kind of news cycle of this stuff happening. Durant, you know, formally requesting a trade. I don't know if he will be traded, but he requested one. And so there's that. And then also, I don't think Nash, you know, people are starting to question why he's still the head coach. You know, it was controversial when he got it in the first place. Um, it seemed like he was enjoying his lifestyle by what I've heard before he got the gig to coach the Nets. And now, you know, people are questioning, you know, how his temperament still works with this team. And, and if he's really the guy who can lead this really talented group, if they all stay together. And then Aiden, DeAndre Aiden, you know, I don't know what happened with game seven and that quote from uh, Monty Williams after that 40 point shellacking, but he didn't get paid by Robert Sarver last offseason. Sarver, by the way, is not a good dude by all accounts. I think he's facing like multiple charges of like serious stuff. And so Aiton wants this new contract. It seemed like people, it seemed like it, he was going to be traded. It seemed like Detroit wanted him. It seemed like the Pacers wanted him. Those were two teams who he was linked to. And it's been what, two, three weeks since we've heard anything about him. Nobody seems to want him. So DeAndre Ayton and his value, I think, have to be a loser right now. Yeah, I never quite got the Ayton thing. I never, I never quite understood that because your number one overall pick in 2018, when you could have had guys like Luca, Trey Young, et cetera, you draft DeAndre Ayton. He's a guy that 20 and 10 put in the books for him. He's a solid big man, all-star potential. I, I see it all. So I'm not quite sure. Maybe help me out with this. Why wouldn't Phoenix want to pay him even if it's max money, let's say it's because it's max money. He is worth the max money when you chose him number one overall. Like you cannot choose that number one overall. And if he's producing, not give him the max. That makes no sense. And it's not like he's a negative in any way. He's a guy that will get boards for you, score. He's improving his jump shot. He's a guy who's able to get 15 feet, shoot, pick and pop, do whatever you need to do alongside Chris Paul and um, Devin Booker. There's no real weakness 
per se, he's not the best three-point shooter, but outside of that, he can do anything and everything he wants to do. I'm just not quite sure why they wouldn't want to pay DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, it seems like Sarver has a history of being cheap. I know they they paid Mikal Bridges. I guess it was I guess in their eyes they viewed, okay, are we gonna pay Bridges or Aiden? And they paid Bridges. It seemed like they could pay both. You know, we saw the Warriors spend deep into the luxury tax. Um, and so Aiden, I agree with you. He's a good player. He's a good player. There's no, there's not many negatives to his game. I think there's just a little thing like there's just something, a little thing that's lacking from him. I, you know, I, I again, not to say like does he have the dog in him or not. There's just something that doesn't scream like huge upside guy. And I know he was the number one pick. You know, maybe that was because he was, you know, he went to the University of Arizona, which it's in the Suns play in Arizona. That shouldn't be a reason at all because Doncic was clearly the best player in that draft. But I agree with you. I think he's good enough to warrant a max contract because guess what? A lot of guys in the league, whether you like it or not, warrant a max contract. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm guessing that Phoenix decides that maybe they can replace his value on the open market. And Chris Paul, you know, him and other centers, he, he can replicate. Like DeAndre Jordan, he made DeAndre Jordan an all-star. So I'm guessing that even his advanced stages of his career, they'll be able to find backup centers. If I'm not mistaken, oh, no, never mind. JaVale McGee, he's on the Mavericks, if I'm not mistaken. I was thinking Phoenix. All right, yeah, that would make up on my part. But they, they believe they can find another center to replace what Aiden can produce. And I just think it's foolish because that's your guy. You drafted him. Keep him, even if you had to pay it to the luxury tax. You made it to NBA Finals with him. That's the biggest thing. And even though they had that collapse this year, they weren't planning on paying him well before that. So interesting. Um, that's one of your um, losers. But for my losers, um, pretty similar, actually. So instead of Steve Nash, I have just Brooklyn in general. Just had Katie and Kyrie drama boiling over. And now you see the aftermath. Katie, it looks like he might not get traded. I know there's still time. Um, people figuring out um, there's got to be probably a three-team trade, even the four-team trade that we still have to figure out. But it's interesting to see how that's going to all unfold. I hear Kyrie and Westbrook trade speculation every other day at this point, especially with Summer League, Kyrie being at Summer League. And like you mentioned before, Westbrook and LeBron just not sitting together. Interesting stuff we got going on in Brooklyn. So that's why they're a loser for me. Going to Minnesota, the Chris Finch thing, like you said, I just think that Give him way too much for a guy who's almost unplayable in the playoffs at this point because he's like seven one, not the best feet. I know, like in the interior, he's a monster and he won Defensive Player of the Year for that reason. But he's thirty right now, yep. like thirty eight million coming up this season. And for context, for his skill set, just picture this: you have Rudy Gobert making thirty eight million, and then you have Kayvon Looney, who just won a championship, right? A little bit younger, sure. He's making $5.1 million. And yeah. he can play in a playoff series. He played in the finals. Rob Williams, $3.6 million. He played in the finals. And Rudy Gobert has not been able to, as a focal piece, as a centerpiece of a championship roster, he hasn't been able to show that he can get his team past the second round of the playoffs. So I think that's big, especially for someone who's in the top five for um, total contract money in the entire NBA. He's making over $200 million with the contract, which is absurd to me when you consider all the other guys who are in the NBA. Yeah, you make a great point with 
the replacement level of centers isn't that hard to find. I know we just had that Aiden conversation, although without JaVale McGee now, it seems like they kind of got their hands tied. But with Gobert, you're totally right. You hit the nail on the coffin. The Golden State dude, Kavon Looney, can play basketball. We he He's good in that Warrior system. And maybe it's a function of everybody plays well in the Warrior system. But Looney stepped up to the plate. There's so many, like, decent centers in the league. To overpay for a guy like Rudy Gobert is clinically insane. And so, yes, the Minnesota Timberwolves are a loser of this offseason. I totally agree. Yeah, and going all in, uh, I understand Cat. Cat's like 25, 26. He's entering his prime. I get it. Anthony Edwards is definitely your guy. And 20 years of age as of today, you cannot rush that process whatsoever. I think by getting Gobert, throwing away all your assets, throwing away Jared Vanderbilt, who I like, um, Patrick Beverly, who he won a championship in his own right during these playoffs. Um, you got to look at it and say, all right, we have time of Anthony Edwards, who's a budding superstar, could be a top five guy in the NBA at some point, just because his natural raw athleticism, his ability to score in volume. He's a guy that looks like a future top five guy. No question about it. And Kat, um, as controversial as he may be, one of the best big man shooters of all time, um, a top scoring big man in this league, along with Embiid and Jokic. There's no denying that. But at the end of the day, you don't rush this process by getting a guy like Rudy Gobert. Now, if you got a guy like Kevin Durant, maybe you're, you can talk to me. But for a guy with so many shortcomings on the offensive end and defensively come postseason time, I just can't buy it. I really can't. Yeah. For my final loser of the offseason so far is Utah Jazz. Reason why? Wow. Yeah, is Utah Jazz. And I'll explain why. So, obviously, we're talking about the Rudy Gobert trade. And they got so many assets. They got, let me read it to you, 23 first-round pick, 25 first-round pick, 26 pick swap, 27 first-round pick, 29 first-round pick. And you get Walker Kessler. So six, six, six first-round picks. But you still have Donovan Mitchell on the roster. Now, I've been hearing from different sources, whether it be Wodes, um, different guys within the ESPN and the NBA atmosphere as a whole, that they're looking to retool rather than rebuild. I personally think that is the dumbest idea that you could possibly do because of the draft class that we have in cover. Like I mentioned before, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Nick Smith, Keontae George. Keontae George is going to Baylor. He will be a top five player in the college season. He'll be a top five pick in this year NBA, this coming year's NBA draft. Make no mistake about it. I love him so much. 6'4", he's a built strong guard. Reminds you a little bit of Trevor Keel with that body frame. Uh, Trevor Keel's coming out of Duke. But he has the offensive capabilities to score at a high volume. And he's a guy that I just adore. And I think he's going to make Baylor an instant title contender this year. But Utah, you cannot do a half rebuild and try to retool around Donovan Mitchell. I say you trade him. I say you get the most draft cap, um, draft capital as possible, get as many assets as possible, and try and tank. Because this is the year to tank. 2024 might not be the year to tank. 2023 is definitely the year to tank. Yeah, I I want to push back a little bit just because, you know, I always get weary. Maybe it's my own fault, you know, but with these markets that don't have other sports going on, 
the idea to tank might not be too appeasing to the fan base. You know, it's, it's probably easier for us to say, you know, we're just two guys, you know, talking hoops rather than the people making decisions and worrying about the fan base and the players and, you know, their livelihoods and everything and making money or whatever for the team. So, but I agree. If you look at this roster, it's really a no man's land. Hassan Whiteside, who I have sources that say he's currently vacationing in Turks and Caicos. Oh, wow. Um, um, <laughs> so he's listed as the starting center. Walker Kessler, by the way, the backup. I, I didn't really like him, you know, out of the draft, whatever. First round pick, whatever. Mike Conley's clearly on the decline of his career. You know, Bogdanovich, he's good, whatever. Clarkson, sixth man. Malik Beasley, you got him now. Vanderbilt, good, good, good. Pat Bev, they're going to probably buy him out or whatever to a contender at some point. I guess I kind of agree with you. I If I were the Jazz and D- Danny Ainge, you know, remember going back to Winhorse's, you know, viral point about – you know, what's going on in Utah, you know, what happened with Ainge, you know, he traded away uh, Garnett and Pierce. I guess you could kind of say that's similar to trading away Gobert and Mitchell, possibly. And, you know, and they're fielding offers, it seems like, or they're listening to offers. So, you're, so Dahani, you're saying if they keep Mitchell out, that would be the loser of the offseason? Yeah, because I feel like Donovan Mitchell, he's at the point now where I feel like he's kind of stagnated in his progress. He's still a great player. All NBA potential, no doubt about that. But I just feel like if you want to have a winning culture, um, a winning organization, I think you got to blow it up because let's be honest, where are we getting a free agent um, signing if we're Utah? Utah isn't the Miamis, the LAs, and New York. They're not getting big-time free agents. Never really have. And you combine that with just the fact that now they blew up their roster. With Rudy Gobert, they had a chance. And now I think that's getting rid of Rudy, getting all those assets back. I just think you got to flip Donovan Mitchell for the best trade package that you can get. I know Miami's very interested in Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, from all reports, um, they have some draft picks that they can swing. Maybe send back Tyler Hero, a young guy. Um, I just don't see why they would do a half rebuild. That just makes no sense, especially with this draft that they have coming up. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I guess you know. I- Maybe there just, you know, aren't many good Mormons at basketball or whatever. Maybe that, that, that'd be a good attraction for them. But, yeah, I guess, I guess I agree. You'd rather be one of the worst teams than, like, that 11 or 12 seed kind of. Yeah, exactly. 100%. All right. So now let's finally get into the championship title odds. Well, these are as of July 5th. I'm going to go to the top 10 and just, as I go, you saw me say whatever you think is on your mind at the time. If you think they're right, the two I, think, I, I think I already know where I'm going to stop you at. All right. So as of July 5th, we have Boston Celtics at plus 550 and the Bucks at plus 550. Yep. Sounds good. Yep. yep. All right. So we have Warriors plus 650, Clippers plus 650, and Suns plus 650. Yeah. That, that seems like your top five. I'd say I would bump probably the Clippers above the Suns. But yeah, I think Celtics, Warriors, Bucks, and Clippers are 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 should be like the clear top four. Yeah, that's fair. I think they're the cream of the crop in the NBA, especially with that John Wall signing, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, full offseason to be healthy. Um, the Clippers have a really deep roster. 
I mean, you look at it from top to bottom, like Nicholas Batum re-signing, Ivita Subot, Terrence Mann, go through the roster. They have a legit, um, legit size, legit defenders, guys that can score. Lots of two-ways guys. I love what they had there. Mm-hmm. All right, so next we have the Lakers. Yeah, that's 1100. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's patently ridiculous. Um, it's they're a public team. They got LeBron. All right, so they got to price up the number. But the sixth best title odds, how about make the play-in tournament, all right? How about be a top 10 team in your own conference before being a top six team overall, all right? This is blasphemy in its highest regard, all right? You know, they, they arguably – this might be a hot take. But arguably their second most reliable player last year is now with the Sacramento Kings. Donnie, that name, that man's name is Malik Monk. All right. One of the I few like bright I love yeah. to. Yeah. One of the few bright spots on that lost season they had. Westbrook adds zero value, if not negative value, to a team right now. Because he still thinks he's the guy and he's not the guy. Um, LeBron's a year older, but I still won't doubt him. I can't doubt LeBron. He's too special. Davis, I'm not giving up on, but a Disney, Donnie, the injuries keep piling up with him. And then if you look at the roster, it's basically like those three big names and then just a cast of characters, you know, yeah. just a bunch of mediocre to bad role players. I it, it won't be a stretch of the imagination to say that Austin Reeves will be one of the more exciting players on this roster. And you can't tell me that Austin Reeves is a guy, is a core guy on the sixth best odds to win it all. You know, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I do like their signings, Lonnie Walker, um, Juan Toscano Anderson. I like what they got. Um, got a bit younger, got some defenders in there. That's something they lacked, but overall, I'm right there with you. LeBron, AD, they're going to do what they do. Now, if Westbrook and Kyrie, that that swap happens, then this goes out the window because I think that definitely changes the the narrative because Kyrie is the guy, assuming he plays, because we have to throw caution in the wind, just be like, all right, if he plays, then I I believe 25 points per game, six assists, like put it in the books. I feel like he's going to help this team dramatically, especially in those non-LeBron minutes as we always have to worry about when LeBron goes out and the offense just craters. But I like the, I like the pickups that they have. Um, but like you said, the six best odds when there's teams that were way better this past season, it's not that they could got marginally better. Um, the Mavs, I feel like, should be higher up on this list. The Grizzlies should be higher up on this list. The Lakers should not be higher than at least those two teams. The Nuggets – who have – we'll go down later on the list, but the Nuggets who are getting back to Maul Murray and Michael Porter Jr., I think are dark horse contenders because I just – no, Jokic is a two-time MVP. He has all the skills in the world, and now he's getting his two second-best player and third-best player back. That has to count for something. It does. It definitely does. I'm right there with you. Maybe they're baking the Kyrie potential the Lakers into that price point, but – it seems what I it's my understanding that uh, Westbrook makes like 12 million more than Kyrie does. And Westbrook is a worse asset. You know, I, I don't love to use the word asset when referring to, you know, players, but he's probably a worse option 
than Kyrie itself. So you'd have to match more salary and like add picks. I'm not sure how many picks they have because of that Anthony Davis deal that they did with New Orleans. Yeah, not too many. Oh. Firsts. They probably have like a 2027 or 2029 first, but not too many firsts. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think I think the the Mavericks should be higher. The Nuggets should be higher. And I'd say the Sixers, I think, should be higher than the Heat. I don't know if your odds reflect that or not. Yeah, so let me just go through the rest of the list. So after the Lakers at 1,100, we have Heat at 1,100 right there with them. Sixers at 1,200. Nuggets at plus 2,000. Mavericks at plus 2,000. So Sixers and Heat, I understand where the um, odds makers are coming from with the Heat. Um, they are a team that was just in the conference finals. Um, they could have made it to the finals, and most people wouldn't have had any reservations with that. Um, the Heat are proven. The Sixers are not proven. I think it's as simple as that. Now, the offseason moves by the Sixers have made me question what they have here. Um, only by 100, so it's not too bad. But I definitely think that the Sixers are like a threat in the East. They should be above the Lakers and the Heat, in my opinion. Yeah. But not in that top um, range of the Suns, Clippers, Warriors, Bucks, and Boston. Right, right, right. Yeah, the I think for the Sixers, it all comes down to if if Harden is in good shape consistently because what you mentioned with your winners with Tucker and, and House and D'Anthony Melton, those are all good signings in a vacuum. So they they clearly upgraded the roster and the Harden pay cut was was massive, as you mentioned, for them. So it'll be intriguing to see what they do. Yeah, and it'll be intriguing to see how Harden comes out, right? Like, I don't know if he's going to – Suddenly, I, I've seen on work workout videos of him, pictures of him looking in shape, but I feel like we always get it. Yeah. It's always hard in workout videos, and Ben Simmons shooting threes every offseason. That's always what we get, yeah. and we never see it. Or that that one time where Simmons had that dunk, that classic dunk, and then he showed like the Nets reporter Nick Friedel, can you post that or whatever? He's, that was like during the, the Boston series, I think, or sometime yeah. before that. It's like, Bro, I don't want to see any videos. Same with Harden. Just like you mentioned, DJ, I'm right there with you. I don't want to see the videos. Show me that you can put together two months of basketball. All right? Ben Simmons, show me that you still love basketball. You know? You're in the NBA. Yeah, 100%. And with James Harden, I feel like his numbers aren't even terrible. They're just not MVP James Harden numbers. I think that's what we have to temper our expectations to at this point. So I'll give you a double-double. So I'll give you tr- close to a triple-double. I believe this season the average 22, 11 assists, and 7 rebounds. So still great numbers by all accounts, but the efficiency definitely needs to go up. Um, playoff performances have been subpar his whole career. That's one knock against him. I remember earlier we had this conversation on Twitter, um, top five shooting guards, and where was James Harden? I just think that. James Harden has had so many playoff failures that I cannot excuse. And I was trying to make the case for Dwayne Wade versus James Harden, even though I personally think Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's top three shooting guard, number yeah. three in that list. But even trying to make the case for it, I just can't, even though the James Harden amazing Houston run, I really can't make that argument just because of all the playoff failures he's had. Yeah, I know you were you liked you like arguing that they should have beaten Golden State and then they would have beaten Cleveland, which it's kind of an iffy thing. I don't love doing that game just because you're playing with hypotheticals because to your point about him being worse in the playoffs is totally true. I did a stats project last year on James Harden in elimination games. 
and his stats across the board plummet. Plummet. The turnovers go way up. The shooting percentages go way down. And that happens in every elimination game. Game six against the Heat, we saw it. He packed it in. So that's that, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So James Harden, you know, prove me wrong, buddy. Yeah. Love the guy, but got to step it up. And like I mentioned, the Nuggets and the Mavericks, Nuggets are definitely behind the Lakers just because I feel like Jokic is a type of guy that can be the number one option. You got to look at who's number one option on every team and where they are title-wise. Steph Curry on the Warriors, that makes sense. Number one guy. He's the number one guy on any team. Same thing with Giannis. Kawhi, same thing. Um, You go down the list, you look at all the number one guys. Jokic is in that category for sure. Just coming off a second MVP season, we know what he can do. And he did it all with basically almost a lot of G League level players. And then you got Aaron Gordon and a few other NBA caliber, caliber guys. But a lot of G League level talent. So I'm getting back Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., two guys with all-star level potential. Michael Porter Jr., I'm especially high on. I've always liked him coming out of his draft class. The injuries have always been his biggest concern. But when he's playing, he's offensive spark plug. He's a bucket getter of the highest caliber. And I think that when you put him alongside Jokic, that's asking for at least 15 assists for Jokic, at least, and 20 points for Porter Jr., just because the offensive um, potency is there. Yeah, I think we we share the same mindset with Jokic. He's a special player. He's awesome. The people who think that Jokic is overrated, I think you kind of kind of kind of got to question their their basketball card. Honestly, um, yeah. he's just such an amazing talent. He makes everybody around him better. And I mean, the Murray the Porter thing's weird because uh, I think didn't they didn't like some people out of the draft say he has the worst medicals they've ever seen. Which is yeah, something along those lines. Just his back was just awful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to see Murray back. Like Murray, Bones Highland, you know, looks like Gillespie might make the roster, although he probably won't, you know, make a but I mean that's a going back to the summer league thing. But but yeah, I I I it's I I hope that the Nuggets do well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last point, Austin. Out of these title contenders right here, the top 10, what odds are you taking? Oof. Uh, oh, I can't pick the Celtics, you know, just kind of because of the jinx history. Um, I think I'd, I'd pick the Bucks. I think I'd pick the Bucks. You know, they have the best player in the world. Um, Giannis, Giannis is the best player in the world. Yes, Giannis is the best player in the world. I can confidently, right. definitively say that. Yes. Do you All disagree? Right. No, no, no. I was, I was making sure we got that. Giannis has the best player of the world. No, that, no, no debate by me here. Until we see LeBron in the postseason again, because that's always the the LeBron lovers. That's always their claim, like, oh, LeBron in the postseason, different animal. Yeah, sure, we've seen that, but it hasn't been in the postseason. Um, Giannis has been. We know what Giannis is about. Um, the the claim right now of Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, Giannis. I feel like that's the top three right now. I feel like the totality of Giannis, what he brings to the table, I don't think I can replicate that. My any other player. Overall impact, Giannis. Who was the other guy you had with Giannis and Curry? Katie. Oh, I don't want to extend this too long, but I have no idea where I rank Katie right now. Because really? we saw Tatum 
eat his lunch money in that series. And then we saw, you know, Tatum, a completely different version of him, you know, basically that, you know, Andrew Wiggins did to him what Tatum did to Durant. I think Luca is is second, although I can see the argument for putting Steph there. Um, I still think third, I forgot who I had third. I still think LeBron has to be considered up there, you know? Man, I, I get Luca 100%. I just feel like there has to be some merit for taking your team all the way, taking them to the promised land. Yeah, Luca made it to the conference finals this past year, which is great for him. But I just, if I'm talking about the best player in the world, I have to see not only consistency over a long period of time, but I also have to see the winning over a long period of time, excellence um, statistically. Um, some of those things Luca can um, attest to, but Giannis just has it all for me. Steph, too, just coming off a of finals run, finals MVP, great stats all around. He was clearly the best player on the floor. But when it comes down to it, I'm taking Giannis all day. Yeah, we agree with Giannis. We were both on I think really the debate is Luca or Durant. But Giannis, and back to your original question, I, I take the Bucks odds, sadly, um, right now at this moment in time. Yeah, for me, um, it's tough because I'm leaning towards – I'm not playing the Celtics in there just because there's – yeah, um, recency bias, bias in general. Um, the Warriors or the Clippers is what I'm debating right now. Mm. Because if you just look at the matchup there, Warriors and Clippers, what you have there is Clippers have a lot of versatile long defenders. Um, obviously, Kawhi at full strength is a top 10 player in the NBA. People forget because he's been out so long, but just go back to the Raptors series. Um, I'm sorry, Raptors run going to the championship. Like Kawhi was by far the best player in every series that he played in. And there wasn't really a comparison. I know Steph Perry was in there too, and that was probably his best finals up until this past one. But what we get is a guy in Kawhi that's Michael Jordan asking the way he plays. I'm not saying he's like Michael Jordan, don't get it twisted, but Michael Jordan esque the way he uh, played. I could play like Mike if I could be like Mike. Oh. <laughs> and um, Paul George as well, John Wall, the list goes on and on. I don't want to extend this pod too much longer, but the Warriors and the Clippers, that's where my odds are going. I'm going to have them. Like that's a pair right now. That's yeah. it. So I'll say Warriors and Clippers. Yeah, I'd be higher on the Clippers if you know if Kawhi isn't coming off of his you know like second hibernation here, where we don't see him for like a full year. Um, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he's well rested. I don't know. I know you had John Wall as a winner. I don't think it's fair to say they they have a, a big three. I think it's no. a big two. Yeah. Um, big two. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with those two teams. I think they're they're clearly the the two best in the West. Yeah, 100%. But, Austin, it's been great having you on, man. I uh, want to shout out anything you got, any socials, anything you're working on right now. Go ahead. Man, Dahani, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, follow at Clean the Boards. Uh, do media there, podcast. Got a little one-on-one tournament going, 32 people. Hopefully that works out. Crossing our fingers for that. Um, yeah, check out my stuff, I guess. There's going to be a WAR thing with the offensive line for Syracuse coming out in the next week or two. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on to honey. Um, this was a blast. I can't believe we talked for like an hour and a half almost here about the NBA and the NBA is not even going on. So that's just great. So thank you so much to honey. Yeah. That's the beauty of the league right here. Oh, we got something going on 365, but thanks, man. I'm going to have you on again for sure. And, uh, definitely tune in to clean the boards for sure. Great pod over there. Did an episode over there. Hopefully doing more episodes with Austin and the crew over there. 
have a good one, Austin. Yeah, thank you.